0: these are some of my favorite comments that were left under her youtube videos of her songs this is why our grandparents have like 12 kids she walked so city girls could run i'm just very shocked that the sexual terms are the same back then and my personal favorite this is the nastiest song i've ever heard and it's from 1932 Welcome to Broads. So you Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I'm Jupiter F. Stone.
1: I'm Chloe Skye.
2: <laughs> and I'm Sarah Gorski. If you're just tuning in and haven't been listening the last few weeks, Jupiter has been our guest the last few weeks because Sam is taking a little break. She just had a baby. So we are welcoming back Jupiter F. Stone, and Ooh. she is bringing us abroad today. Who you got for us, yes, Jupiter? Yes, all right.
0: Today for y'all, I have
2: Lucille
0: Bogan, a.k.a. Lucille Anderson, aka Bessie Jackson. Have you ever heard of either of those of women? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Why, Why does w- she have so many names? I will get into <laughs> that. All right. So, okay. Lucille okay. Bogan is what she's most commonly known as before we get too deep into it i do want to let y'all know these are some of my favorite comments that were left under some of her youtube videos of her songs okay this is why our grandparents have like 12 kids i'm doing her for black history month she walked so city girls could run i'm just very shocked that the sexual terms are the same back then And my personal favorite, this is the nastiest song I've ever heard, and it's from 1932. 1932? 1932. And these comments are from 2022. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no
2: that's the future look 22 2020 did we fast forward to <laughs> 22 you Whoa. see comments from we next year? i don't year. know where y'all at i don't know where y'all at i
0: don't so know how anyway, COVID
1: worked for you maybe don't listen to this episode with your parents um if you're you know it's gonna
2: be sexy it is gonna be sexy gonna be we can, just say, we can sexy. just say readers get ready for some sexy time yes yeah. i'm maybe, gonna say the maybe words
1: draw a bath
2: I, I I mean, it's
0: <laughs> nice, like some candles. Take it down. I'm about to drop this history. Okay, so going back in history, Mississippi, April first, eighteen ninety seven. Now I feel like people born in like eighteen ninety seven. She's technically born in the eighteen hundreds, just shy three years. But right so at the turn, but she's a baby. A, yes, she's a baby. She's raised in Alabama, and there really isn't a lot about her childhood life because like I looked for it and I wanted to look it up but I think because of the specific type of person that this woman is and what she did later on in life like that's what made her explode and there really isn't a lot of information about her as a kid which is so unfortunate because I would love to know what influenced on on her life
2: it's unfortunate but not uncommon because record keeping was like so poor right back then yeah yeah yeah. Depending on what her background was, like unless she was like from a really wealthy family or something like that, mm-hmm. usually the record-keeping just blew yeah. shrinks. Yeah, black girl from the South, they're like,
0: we don't give a damn, we don't give a fuck. You alive. Here you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. am.
1: We hope you forget she existed.
0: <laughs> well, we ain't, because thank you, Bruns, you should know. So what we do know is that in 1914, at around 17, she gets married for the first time and marries Nazareth, Lee Bogan. So that's where she gets her her name that Bogan. she ends up keeping.
2: And it's an, an intense name. Isn't it? That's okay, it's it's
0: so intense they had to do it twice, okay? Because <laughs> a few years later, she gives birth to Nazareth Jr. And wow. so now she's got now she's got a husband and she's got a baby, but she is not about that life. Like she's not mm. about that life and people kind of know it. And she gets, she ends up getting divorced from her first husband and remarries a gentleman named James Spencer. Multiple articles, like three articles, let it be known that James Spencer was 22 years younger than her. <laughs>
1: get what? it Who lucille
2: cares? exactly get it cares, lucille. right how um, young y'all husband is what what does okay how old
1: was she at the time though that's the that's my better question
0: well she so if it's 1914 a couple of years so it was like before 1923 so she was like in her like
1: wait no the second husband if she was 26 then she would have married a four-year-old
0: right <laughs> That's not what happens. That's so not there, what happens. Well, no, I guess that wouldn't be what happened. But I mean, look, it's twenty-two years. So she got ma- she got divorced, and then so she married him later. Right. Later on, yeah, in and her you don't life. know yeah, when. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what. Well, and I think Just it's, say you don't know when. Well, I don't know when, and I think it's because I think it will be told as the story untold, because of the type of lifestyle sure. she lived. She need she, she mm. need no damn man. She did not need no damn man because even though she has this kid who she has now, she's taking care of it. She lives life out and about and in her own way so in 1923 she goes to new york and she starts working with this pianist and the pianist's name is henry callens and i looked up a bunch of stuff about him and apparently he didn't pop off in any huge way because i didn't have a lot of information about him but Mm -hmm. when they worked together they worked for this company making this sort of music and i'm I need uh, some assistance in this. Vaudeville? Vaudeville. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, so they made this type of music, which from my research, it's like back in the day, old school French, sort of like it was popular there. And it's like storytelling and sort of like comical, but fun and like over music, right? Mm -hmm. So I had never heard of this. My introduction is like musical theater and like improv and like sort of like the modern versions of this. So I thought this was really interesting, and I'm like, wow, for this, like, young black woman to be in New York City, you know, recording these things at such a young age, like, that's, like, really cool, and something that I never, I've never thought of that in my head, like, as someone who's flown to New York to go and audition, like, it was pretty, it was pretty
2: intense, Was she singing? Was she just recording? Or was she also performing live? Was she, like, doing shows?
0: Yeah. So, with this, the way that they made it sound is that she really wasn't doing it live. She was just doing it. And they were kind of, like, essentially just, like, cranking out these, like, episodic. Yeah. But specifically for this certain type of audience and, like, retelling these stories in this specific way. So, Uh again, she's like, standard? No. Not about that life. How do I go? and? Flip this around So in that same year She kind of pulled from that And recorded What was famously known What famously became known
2: as Pawn Shop Blues And Mm. Have you heard of this? Have you heard? No but it sounds really sexy Okay (laughs) It,
0: It is It is It literally revolutionized The game Because when she recorded this It was the first time ever Ever Huge That a black blues singer had been recorded outside of New York or Chicago. Because she went and recorded this song down in Georgia.
1: So it
0: totally changed the game. They People were listening to this. And if you go and you listen to Pawn Shop Blues, which it's so hard to find. It's not, like, available, like, mainstream places and, like, predominantly placed. I thought this would have been, in like, a damn Black Lives Matter collection, okay? But I had to go scraping through the YouTubes. Um, but I fi- I found it, and it's so amazing listening to it because it is, like being transformed back in time, but not really. Because the things that she's talking about in these songs are things that we would be talking about modernly, but it happened in 1923. Like sex? Like, like, what, like not not yet, not sex. So in Pawn Shop Blues, it is basically about like this guy coming into town with nice shoes and he ends up getting jumped and people steal all his stuff and she's just kind of sitting there watching. But the way that she's singing this song, is she's saying like, I've got a pawn my shoes, I've got a pawn my house, I've got a pawn everything, I have the pawn shop blues. And it's about sort of like this time where people had to start selling all of their stuff just to survive. So she's talking mm. about all of this really heavy stuff, but in a With very poverty. comical- Yes, yeah. is this yes. Like during
1: the Great Depression? Yeah,
0: 1923. Like and if well, she so before. she lived she was like living she's basically talking about what she was living through. Right. And doing it in a way like if you're only recording things up in the north, like in Chicago and in New York, you're getting a particular side of the story. So it's like she traveled from the south, went up to New York, got the opportunity she needed to get to get the connection she needed to get. And then went right back down to Georgia and then started recording her shit in her way, telling the stories of these people in a way that like people would understand. And also in like a jovial tone so it's like, yeah, we're going through this, and it's hard, but, like, let's talk about it. Let's have these conversations. And people really, really related to that, and it became mm. very popular, and it kind of spread, like, wildfire. And she got so popular that she ended up moving to Chicago, and she started reporting Hell yeah. more. yeah, my stomping ground. Hey, hey, maybe you breathe some recycled air at the same point. I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. so after she moves to chicago she develops a huge following and this is when she really started kind of honing in on her branding you know she's like she started picking up you know things in new york and then she went down to the south and she started talking about what was going on in her culture and her community and then she gets into dirty blues
2: yes y'all know about that dirty blues I, for, no I don't think you guys know this about me I love the blues what no I did not know I that I definitely about you. didn't know that I fucking love the blues okay
0: so All do right. you fucking love dirty blues mm. uh. <laughs> 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 so for those who don't know because I didn't know I had to go and look it up dirty blues is a form of blues music that deals specifically with like socially explicit and taboo subjects therefore it is banned from the radio and the only place that you could actually hear these songs is if you were at a location that had a jukebox that had the song in it Or if you were there when these people were live and you had to come and see them live, so that's what it was about. You would hear that so and so was coming into town and they were going to be in town for two nights only, and you had to go into this little club and you had to get in there and you had to knock on the door and have the password and be let in to hear this nasty shit. Yes, people were doing it. Yes, as fun. Yes, so it was like. It was, like, an experience. It was, like, something that people did together. And it was, like, a movement because the the things they were talking about were things that everyone wanted to talk about. But mainstream media was keeping on the lock. He was keeping it down. It was keeping it off of the airwaves. So it was sort of this, like, avant-garde, like, counterculture experience. And it was, like, really amazing. And she was known as within Dirty Blues, which is already, like, a derivative of blues music saying, like this is the dirty side, she was, like, the dirty side of the dirty side. Like, when they talk about Dirty blues, she is regarded as one of, like, she pushed the boundaries to, like, the furthest limits, and people people could not touch that, even still today, hence all of the comments on some of her YouTube videos. So she, this is basically what she started doing from this point forward she was like oh okay like I talk like this and it gets a rise because it would get a rise out of people and people tried to like shut her like, down literally
2: and figuratively probably <laughs> and,
0: hey well <laughs> Ooh. Look, Ooh. boners that's you, a boner
2: joke you are <laughs>
0: foreshadowing the, uh some shit because yes she does literally talk about and describe like erect penises in her music It happens.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: It is out there and it is available. It does happen. Yes. I'm told. (laughs) That's that's what I heard. And and she breaks it down. So uh, when, she, when she kind of gets gets this going, gets this audience in Chicago and starts recording these songs, she does a beautiful five-year-long collaboration with pianist Walter Rowland, who recorded most of her songs with her. Now, th- this is really important because at this time, they're literally going into a studio, there's a piano, there's a microphone, and they record a take so this has to be a really intimate experience and a lot of the things that they do is very like improv over the music they may have Mm -hmm. written some things but they needed to be in sync and in tune because he had to follow along with her and Mm -hmm. there's some information and things saying like they worked really well together through her process her voice and all of her name changes and even like (laughs) the content so they recorded over 100 records together which is Huge, a lot of damn, records. Damn. That's a lot of music. A lot of music. A lot, and it's a lot of music like this. So this is like a hell of a guy to be like. I'm gonna travel around with you, and we're gonna be recording this because this was also her lifestyle and her culture. Like she subscribes to it. So I think that's why they were like, you know, she does get married later, and he's like 22 years younger than her because she doesn't give a single iota of a fuck. <laughs> she was so counterculture. I would love to share with you some of her lyrics. Is this is this acceptable for
2: this platform?
0: Yeah,
1: well, yeah we're, we're marked explicit. That's, you that's can say what we, you want. That's why we gave the the preambles. Just
2: um, put your must on your mom if you if your mom <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. listening <laughs> with you. We'll but, give you a couple seconds. But I mean, maybe mom has heard this song because it was she was you know. I'm saying Honestly, your mom deserves to hear this song. Let her listen.
0: So, one of her most popular songs is Shave Em Dry. And it is regarded in Dirty Blues as one of the most raunchy. Because sometimes people would, like, kind of tiptoe around things or use innuendos. No, 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 no. <laughs> she did not use any innuendos. The, the opening of this song goes, <clears throat> I got nipples at the end of my titties, big as the end of my thumbs. I got something between my legs that'll make a dead man come. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, dad. It's, it's not. No, no, we're not done. We're, we're not Oh, daddy, grind me, baby. Grind me until I cry. Come on over, daddy, and shave me dry. Nice.
1: Wow.
0: The 1930s. <laughs> Tell
1: the em. 1930s.
2: Hold on. I got to go sit in my bunk for a second. Right <laughs> um she laid
0: this out and she's recording this in a room and you can hear it like when you listen to the recording it's like so poorly recorded so unfortunate because it's just like the equipment well they don't have
2: great equipment Their exactly are balls exactly
0: yeah. so the and so it's like they're recording one microphone you know and they have these people in here and, and you can just hear it in her voice what's going on with this Who's who's whose phone is uh, it's mine it's, it's you that's time. my phone that's my phone um, <laughs> also featured lyrics from this particular song um, one of my, I'll just share my favorite line, um, because there's, there's so more and they're all good. I mean, this is the one where she, like, explicitly explains balls, um, compares them to barn doors. Um, she talks about erect penises and men opening up their butt cheeks to her. Like, in that sort of way. Wow. Now, my favorite line from this song is, now, if fucking was a thing that would take me to hell, oh, I'd be fucking in the studio till the cops drag me out as well. All daddy, shave me. Dry, Because, I mean, to the extent of which she talks about this, it's like she knows, she's almost responding to, like, the haters in her songs because she knows people are talking about her and talking about her music outside of her music. So within her music, she's like, I don't care. You think that me being like this and this lifestyle is going to send me to hell? I'll fuck right here and right now while I'm recording this record.
2: Like, I don't care. Dude, you have to, like, this had to have been, like, extremely popular... Like, this had to have been, like, the closest thing to, like, porn that you can get, audible porn that they had.
0: Right. Correct. Right? Yes. Yes. And and it was sought after. It was sought after. And the people uh-huh. knew it was going on and they just didn't talk about it. But, yeah, out and open. Because, I mean, like, where else would you get this? Unless you were, like, going to go into, like, I mean, a cinema or, like, known for it. I don't know. When when were, like, na- Natty Cinemas out? Were they out in, like, the 30s?
1: I don't think so. I think they were a later on kind of thing.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, it was absolutely. I feel like like the only one at that period, I feel like, was like magazine.
1: Yeah, I feel like the '70s was really the rise of like the naughty theater.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, this. I mean,
0: this. So what they talked about in this is it was very like it was a live performance. It was singing. It was musical, but it was comical. So she set the tone and set the precedent for. Like all these feature things. Like I remember growing up listening to Ludacris, and I love listening to Ludacris because he was hilarious. But he was talking about sex and he was talking about how cool he was and he was talking about all the same things the other rappers talked about, but it was funny. And it was more like lyrical storytelling. And through my research, you can see and there are connections that go back to these, like the 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 sort of like male counterpart in this situation, which we won't talk about a lot because you know, bros, you should know. But his name was Rudy Ray Moore and he was directly connected to giving rise to people like Ludacris and Two Life Crew and Afro Man so I find it very interesting that people like Missy Elliott or Meg The Stallion or Cardi B who are very funny and very sexual like you don't see the direct path and connection like all the way back to like the 1930s because you know people mm. didn't give women as much credit as they should, they still don't but that uh-huh. line is also there and I, ju- I just find it fascinating because she went on like a hundred plus records and did it for quite a while and even tapped into um she was noticed to tap into some LGBT issues as well because she had a song mm-hmm. named BD Women's Blues which stood for Bull Dyke Women's Blues.
1: Wow. Yes. Wow.
0: And her song in the 1930s said, Come in a time where BD women ain't gonna need no men. They can lay their drive just like a man can yes come through with that information miss bo so she continued to challenge social norms and challenge gender norms and gender roles in her music and was completely unapologetic about it would constantly sing about you know having sex and prostitution but not prostitution in a derogatory way in a way where it's like give me my money and give me this dick and i'm gonna fuck you down good and this is the way that it's gonna be and was completely unapologetic about it throughout her entire career um, she continued to make waves and is regarded in the well established incredibly famous music genre of blues and in like I mm-hmm. think like I mean I don't listen to the to, to blues I'm not like, like you Sarah I don't love it oh, but man. this blues might pull me sexiest.
2: in. Do you know what I truly like I credit the blues for my first um, I feel like the blues is what really actually introduced me to the, like, racial inequality. Wow. Um, Because Mm -hmm. a lot of the blues is, like, heavily talks about all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, deeply... Like, one of my very favorite musicians is Ben Harper. And he, like, a long time ago started singing about all this stuff um, that, like, now is, like, common vernacular because of Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. But, like, the blues has been like i think for like because i grew up in the white like mm-hmm. you know middle class suburbs of chicago mm-hmm. so i didn't have exposure to like the kind of life that like blues singers sing about usually right. cuz it's cuz usually it's about poverty like mm-hmm. deep poverty and like you know blues is not like a rich person's genre yeah. if you if you think about like not to not to generalize it but it's like definitely not like that's not where it was born out of it was born out of like the poor black communities mm-hmm. talking about the shit that people are fucking dealing with. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's just, and Chicago has, is notorious for having like really great blues bars. So there's some like really great blues there and live blues when we're not in pandemic times. There's like amazing live blues. Like I used to go to like buddy guys, legends and stuff like that. And like the blues are just, they always, and have been like a deep part of my life. I love them. And I feel like everyone should listen to them.
0: <laughs> well, you're going to have to incorporate this new blues musician into your repertoire then, Sarah. I, I know. If
2: I start to YouTube her, am I going to start getting like crazy algorithms now? Like in my <laughs> video watches though? Look, okay. So full disclosure,
0: um, we Chloe and I found out about this broad, I hope. you think she's a broad. Because we were mm-hmm. watching The History of Swearing on Netflix. And they had mentioned her and dropped in one of her quotes from her music um, and it was like, you know I'm that bitch from Baltimore. And she like just basically said the word cock like 15 times, like just like blew my (laughs) mind And, and it was such a short snippet. But if you actually go and look at some of the YouTube comments, people were like, thank you so much, Netflix History of Swearing for putting me up on this game because now i'm gonna have to like listen to her but i had to go back to netflix and search through the whole season because they did a whole bunch of swear words and i didn't know which one she was in because she uses all of them very fucking liberally (laughs) yes but before that i i was like i don't want to scroll through let me just see if i can like type in and find her so i'm like older black lady sings about you know, like sex and the things that came up. Oh man, oh man, it was <sighs> wow. uh, it was not. Did her. you even did you remember to go into inc- incognito? mode I did not. You, did that? you know, it's just Chloe and I here, so like <laughs> really, we don't have anything to hide. I don't think.
2: <laughs> I don't no, know. it's not about hiding. For me, it's not about hiding things, but it's about like not wanting my the ads offered to me to reflect like the random things that I uh, like you
1: don't need sex I, cookies in your browser history. Because like
2: sometimes I'll like research something for like one of my clients or something and then I see ads for that product and I'm like, but I never wanted they have products. Mm-hmm. So, so I started to like using mode just so that like I don't get weird ad tracking. <laughs> does it does it work like that? Yeah. I didn't
0: know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. In- yeah. Oh, well then you everyone the cookies- should do incognito you know, all the time
2: for everything. Yeah, because <laughs> the cookies when you're not in incognito mode, the websites store co- I'm, you know, if you guys didn't already know, I do web design and development. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah.
2: websites have cookies and that's how like Google and Facebook and like that's why when you say something out loud into a microphone or near your computer that you get start to get ads for it. Yo. <laughs> it's because of those tracked cookies and all that stuff. So if you don't want to get an ad for something you're researching. <laughs> Hot tip. Incognito mode.
0: I would be happy to get ads for any research that I've done for Lucio Bogan to come up <laughs> on my, in fact, that is the only ads that I want is things in regard to the subject nature. Mm, so, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, um, towards the end of her career and the end of her life she started um, she started managing her son's blues group. Which I thought was really cool. He had like a jazz blues group. I mean her son is like in really not a lot of mention in her life just because of like the <laughs> Did she do she was like doing.
2: generally did she do really well? Did she like make a lot of money? Like did she profit off of her own success? Or did other people take her fucking money? You no, know, yeah. It seems like
0: she was popular like amongst her community and really much supported in her culture, but it wasn't really accepted in mainstream and like she was even an extremist within her dirty group. So, yeah, it didn't seem like she was super successful. Like, it's really hard to, like, find her things. Um, You know, like, I don't know if she has, like, a trust or anything. But if they're out there and they hear this, like, hook it up. I'll work with y'all. But she did end up moving to California. And she was writing music up until she passed away. And her, her last song that she... Wrote was interestingly, ironically called "Gonna Leave Town," and that was the last song that she ever Whoa, wrote. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, she knew. She knew. So a lot of her stuff has been um, that's like some
2: Frida Kahlo shit. She, that's like, yep, I've seen it. I'm my gonna, death is happening. Here's my last con- contribution. Yeah, I feel like
0: that's how she take it. You know, she was really upfront about life. This is what it is. I'm gonna live it how I wanna live it. Oh, she has some songs about I got a man that I love and a man that I like, and like I decide which one I want to take home at night. Like, oh, just yes. so
2: good. It's just, oh, just, yeah.
0: just <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Lean into polyamory. So, see, and seriously, early. so
0: please, 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 if you have an opportunity, go look up her stuff, listen to some of her music, and then remember that she was singing this in the 30s. So the fact that people are upset about WAP <laughs> is a lie. It's a is lie. Is it going to destroy right? it's women?
2: People are afraid of pussies yeah. in general. People are they're afraid, afraid of, of they're afraid of vaginas,
1: mm-hmm. especially and wet
2: vaginas are extra scary.
1: <laughs> especially ones that are experiencing pleasure.
2: Right. Correct. Well, As we have
1: learned now, two weeks in a row.
2: we going to have Jupiter, to switch it up. Jupiter, I have a question. So, of like, she had multiple names. Was there one name in particular that most of her stuff was published under? Or do you have to look up all of it? Yes. So, most of her stuff,
0: like, if you want to hear her stuff, and especially the stuff she's known for, um, Lucille. Lucille Bogan. If you look up Lucille Bessie Bogan. Jackson, she started going under Bessie Jackson when she wanted to – because she ended up getting so popular and so famous – that, you know, her stuff would be, like, judged accordingly or judged according to her most explicit thing or whatever her last Mm, thing was. mm -hmm. So she did Bessie Jackson when she wanted... That was kind of, like, her surname, her, like, ghost writer artist, ghost artist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is so fucking cool when you get so So popular. You have to get, like, a new name, and then that gets popular, too.
2: Like, you are doing something (laughs) right, sister. (laughs) Okay, wait, I have another question. Yes. Uh, um, So you said, like, people had to go into these, like secret clubs to listen to her music, but do they ever, like, get busted and, like, arrested for, like, singing dirty? Oh my gosh, I do not know.
0: So there was nothing, I was kind of, like, hoping for that, you know, like, I mean, I look. what was okay. that fucking Dang. Madonna I wanted
2: that, too, and I wanted Chloe to write the, the screenplay about it. Yeah, well, I will
0: I will continue. I'm so excited to have found this person, and just because of, like, the type of person I am, how pop culture is music now, I don't see myself uh dropping this broad anytime soon, so if I get ha. the updates, I'll bring them in. I'll I'll bring him shave in. you dry. Let's shave you dry. No, Yo, I'm uh. dis- sh- 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 <laughs> I'm about it. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. What a broad. Thank you, Jupiter. She's yeah. amazing. Oh, I'm oh, glad real. you think so. Thank you for letting me share her and please promise to like go and look up and listen to one song. At least, At least Incognito
2: one. fine. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> or not incognito be daring Yay. change up your facebook algorithm <laughs> get some get some ads that you aren't uh, expecting yeah <laughs> as always if you like this podcast give us a like give us a review to be our best friend yeah, um suggest abroad go to broads see our database you can suggest abroad to us there and we will see you next week for another broad you should know